Do you ever feel there is something getting in the way between you and presence? Being fully aware and alive in the moment? Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Mary Slocum and this week we're looking at obstacles. The mind states that get in the way of our being and presence. Understanding what they are and how to recognize and be with them so that they let go of their interference with our presence is what the podcast is about today. Are you enjoying the show? The most powerful way to support it is to follow or subscribe to it where you listen. In addition, you can become a member, and as a member, you'll get a guided meditation each week. To become a member or access the guided meditation, go to www.patreon.com forward slash your mindful life. That's www. Dot p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash your mindful life. Your Mindful Life Podcast. Imagine that you're in the middle of a battlefield, single-handedly facing a thousand enemies. This is how it feels when we begin the task of getting to understand our own minds. It may feel jarring to use the imagery of a battle, but when we pause and feel what it feels like, a spark of recognition flashes in front of us. Oh yeah, yeah, I get it, that feels right. It so often feels like I'm at war with myself. I'm at war, actually, with my mind. These enemies are obstacles to our presence, our full awareness of the present moment. So here we are. What might be the first thing we would want to do? Well, when in battle, it's a good idea to know who the enemies are, right? Who or what are we fighting? When we can recognize and name the forces warring, keeping us from being in presence, being fully aware in the moment, then we're in a position to begin to understand them, to go deeper and deeper, getting to their essence, their core. And this leads to us letting go of them. Or if they arise, it allows us to be with them without getting caught up in them. Let's begin with desires of the senses, seeking sense pleasures and grasping at sense objects. When we practice the feeling tone of experience, we recognize what feels pleasurable to us. And from there, we can sense when we are beginning to lust after that which feels pleasurable. We might ask, what is the mind doing when it is busy seeking sense pleasures? Well, it's looking outward. It's all riled up. And we discover this pleasure-seeking mind can never be satisfied. Once we've obtained that designer handbag, the house at the beach, 
the latest running shoes, the membership in the posh club we've always wanted to belong to, or the tickets to the concert of the year. Once we've gone to the playoffs, had the spa treatments, or gone on the exotic vacation, or once we've experienced whatever it is that we perceive to be beautiful, special, or the end all, be it smells, sounds, sights, tastes, sensations of the body, and even ideas and fantasies, what then? Well, the wanting starts all over again. We want it more. We need it again. Or we want something else. It's that bright, shiny thing that the mind attaches to. So, who is the enemy? This enemy is attachment. We're attached to the endless wanting. We're attached to the desire to get that shiny object or have that awesome experience. We're never satisfied. We're never satiated. We may be satiated for a moment, but then the desire starts all over again. We feel we must possess whatever it is. Sometimes it even feels like we'll die if we don't get more and more. We may feel that we're pulling whatever it is we desire towards us so that we can grab onto it. So the first enemy standing between us and presence is attachment this endless desire for sense, satisfaction. We never feel at ease. We never feel it's enough or it's okay. And we can never get enough. We're simply attached to the wanting, to the desire. So now, how about the second enemy? There are many ways to describe it and... The traditional way is to describe it as hate, meaning extreme dislike, but really any dislike of any kind. When we hate or dislike something, we push it away, right? So it shows up as aversion, a turning away from anything that we don't like. It shows up as annoyance and irritation, repugnance and ill will. In essence, when the mind is in this state, it wants to get rid of something. The mind can be subtly averse to something or it can be raging against something. We may feel that we're pushing away whatever it is that we hate or we have an aversion to. When someone says, I hate her, we can feel the person's energy pushing against the object of hate, the her, whomever she is. In this state, we are not present. We are not mindful. We are captured by this need to push away, to push against, the need to turn away. And it's us who suffer. 
The third enemy of the mind is traditionally described as sloth and torpor. These descriptors probably sound really old-fashioned, but they're powerful words. Torpor connotes lethargy and is a state of physical and mental inactivity. And sloth connotes laziness or reluctance or unwillingness to make an effort. Words like apathy or indifference resonate with us. So do the words sleepiness and fogginess. There's a failing of energy, a failing of engaging, a failure of caring and of living because the mind is dull, cloudy, inert, bored, and heavy. The indifferent mind doesn't care and doesn't know. The fourth enemy of the mind, seeing clearly and being present, is restlessness. It's almost the opposite of sloth and torpor. The restless mind is full of worry and anxiety. It darts about like a pinball. It feels unsettled and agitated. It cannot concentrate. The fifth enemy is doubt. Doubt can feel impenetrable because it manifests as uncertainty, uncertain of what to do or how to proceed, uncertain if this is the path. Is this the way? I don't know. I'm confused. The mind is uncertain that presence can ever be available to it. So the mind in doubt is a mind of indecision. Hmm, what am I doing here? What can I do? How can I do this? Is this the way? The doubting mind hesitates and stands still in its tracks, unable to proceed. So we learn about these five obstacles from Buddhist philosophy. They're called hindrances, and they are the mind states that get in the way between us and our presence. Knowing them prepares us for when they arise. These obstacles are like Everything else are impermanent. They arise, persist for a while, and then pass away. And knowing how to be with them is important. Otherwise, we can get into a battle with them. We can either hold on and grasp onto them, or we can push them away. Or we can simply lie down and go to sleep. So we pause and recognize them. We bring mindfulness to them. And when we are mindful of them, we don't identify with them and we don't react to them. We allow them to pass through the mind. Remember, like the clouds passing in the sky without making a disturbance. Sometimes, though, they overpower the mind, especially when we are new to our practice 
or we haven't been practicing regularly. Our mindfulness is still weak. And when this happens, we can help ourselves in several ways. When desire sweeps us, we can reflect on what it is. We can reflect and remember how it feels in the moment. And then when it passes, how that feels. We can feel its impermanence. And we can even remember that we all are born and we all die. And that death doesn't discriminate. It comes to us all. So there is a richness to life, but it isn't chasing after things or sensations. When ill will springs up and our mind is full of hatred, we might be thinking, I hate that situation or I hate that person. We can notice and make a soft mental note, maybe saying, anger, anger, as a way of bringing our full attention to what's happening right now. And then we can just observe it. And if you feel that the mind begins to justify the anger, maybe saying something like, I'm angry and I should be angry because someone did something that hurt me badly, notice that the mind is identifying with the anger and is judging. A powerful antidote to hatred, dislike, and anger is to send loving kindness to every being, to oneself, and to those you feel kinship with, and also to send loving kindness to that person to whom you feel anger. We know the phrases. Here they are. We repeat them. May you be safe. May you be free from suffering. May you be full of peace and joy. Repeating these phrases, the mind settles and concentrates, and the hatred, dislike, and anger dissipates. Another potent remedy to anger is to remember that we are heirs of our own deeds and actions. We all experience the results of our actions. If someone is acting mean or maliciously, we can respond not with anger but with compassion because that person is already bringing harm and suffering to themselves. This is really profound when we think about it. Maybe we think that the other person enjoys their hatred. But do they? On the outside, they may be showing bravado, but inside, they're suffering. They don't feel free. They don't feel at ease. They feel constricted, tight, hot, agitated, and uneasy. And we know that when we are angry, or we don't like something, we hate something, we feel that way too. 
So now when we feel sleepy, worn out, lethargic, or apathetic, what do we do? Oh, right. We first notice and acknowledge it. We stay with the feeling with curiosity and interest. We help ourselves to remain present with it by making a soft mental note, as we've done before, maybe saying sleepy, sleepy, or lazy, lazy, or worn out, worn out. And if the feeling persists, we can change our position. We can get up off our cushion or whatever we're sitting on. We can take a walk, take a cold shower, or do 10 jumping jacks. And if the sleepiness still persists, we can inquire if the body is physically tired out. And if it is, honor that and take a nap. And then when we wake up, feel the mind vital, the body alive. Our practice is not about bossing or forcing ourselves into curiosity and alive awareness. It's about getting to know and understand our minds and our mind states so that we can train our minds to be present and fully alive and tuned in to the moment. And what do we do when we sit down to practice and the mind is restless, unable to settle down, it's bouncing all over the place and racing around. Everything feels out of control as ideas, thoughts, and images speed by chaotically. As with all the obstacles, first we remember that we are not restless. Restlessness is not an innate characteristic of our being. It may feel like it, but it's not. Rather, restlessness is a mind state. And we can work with this mind state. We can bring our equanimity to it. This remembering is key to being able to sit with the discomfort. Again, using soft mental noting, restless, restless, as an aid to concentrate the mind, turning towards and resting in the breath, sensing the place where we feel the breath most predominantly, feeling the rhythm of the breath and the sensations of it. And we can also use soft noting here as well, saying in for the in-breath and out for the out-breath as an aid to our concentration. When we do this, we give the mind a single-pointed object to focus awareness on. It doesn't have to be the breath, but the breath is just so convenient. We could also use the focus of the flame of a candle, for example. Training the staying power of the mind in this way is an antidote to restlessness. Finally, doubt. What do we do when we're full of doubt? This meditation stuff won't work for me. I can't do it. I can't concentrate. 
This kind of mental attitude is what gets in the way of us even starting our practice or letting it go after two or three attempts. What we do is once again recognize it and be with it. We don't knock ourselves about and judge ourselves. Remember, doubt doesn't describe us as a person. It is, again, simply a state of mind, a thought or a series of thoughts that is very clingy. And because of this, we have to pay attention when it is around. And we have to stay with it. Oh, softly, mentally noting, doubting, doubting. Whatever we do, we don't push it away or judge it. We don't judge ourselves when any of these obstacles arise. We do get to know them, though. For quite a while, I would begin my practice asking, what obstacle is here right now? For sure, an obstacle would pop up, and this gave me the opportunity to be mindful and to acknowledge the obstacle, to make soft mental notes, to feel how it feels in the body. And after a while, the obstacles, these enemies to our mindfulness would dissipate. I know this, that if I hadn't given them the space and time they needed, they would still be taking me away from presence from mindfulness. Now when they pop up, I can be with them from a place of equanimity, that place of balance and non-judgment, that place of not clinging and not pushing away. I invite you to explore which obstacles, which mind states, pop up in your practice. Don't be afraid. Invite them in. Acknowledge them. Stay with them. This is our practice. Thanks for listening. I'd also like to thank the people behind the scenes that make the show possible. Gorgias Romero for original music, audio engineering, and production. Bill Rafferty for technical web support. Ali Allen for logo and podcast cover design. And Margaret Haas for announcing the show. Be well. Be mindful. <laughs>